Hi everyone, this is Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Lei Sparrow, who recently joined us for a webinar in which she presented her research demonstrating the anxiolytic, sedative, and abuse-related effects of benzodiazepine drugs and how they correlate with telemetry-based EEG recordings in a translational non-human primate model. Let's jump right in. First question here uh, comes from Chris, who has asked, uh, could different GABA-A receptor subtypes play a role in the different behavioral and EEG effects you observed? Yes, thank you for this question. That's something that actually uh, James has been looking into for the past 20 plus years. And I think right now we have an, an idea of which subunits of the GABA-A receptor actually play a role in the anxiety reducing and sedative effects of benzos as well as the abuse potential. So based on our non-human primate studies, which now seem to align with the, um, the predictions based on rodent studies as well. Anxiety-reducing effects are primarily mediated by alpha-2 GABA-A receptors. Sedation seems to be related to alpha-1 and alpha-3 GABA-A receptor activity. And unfortunately, the abuse potential of benzos involves, seems to involve alpha-1, alpha-2, and alpha-3 GABA-A receptors. So all of the receptors involved in some form of therapeutic effects of benzos also seem to be involved in the abuse potential of benzodiazepines as well, which explains why so many people are now abusing benzos and the benzo use disorder has been increasing around the world as well. Excellent. Thanks, Lais. Another question from Bernhard who's asked, have you tried to correlate the anxiolytic-like EEG signature to that of other classes of anxiolytic drugs uh, like gabapentinoids? We have not, but that is definitely something that we want to do. Another thing that we want to do is uh, basically test other benzodiazepine type drugs that we have in our tested in our laboratory that do not have anxiety reducing effects in our conflict model. So for example, uh, we recently published a paper showing that an alpha-3 selective GABA-A uh, modulator doesn't have anti-conflict or anxiety reducing effects. So we want to test that drug to see what it would do, for example, to beta band activity in EEG. But that's a great suggestion and definitely something that we want to look at in the future. Excellent. New question here from Tanishka, who's asked, can we differentiate between receptor subtypes using EEG? I don't think you can. Just because of the, the distribution of these receptors in the brain, they're really largely distributed throughout the brain. So I think it would be very hard to get to a specific region where you only have a subtype of receptors. What you can do, and that's something that we've been doing in the lab, is using selective GABA-A receptor modulators to understand the pharmacology. So you can get like an alpha-1 selective GABA-A modulator compared to an alpha-3 selective or an alpha-5 selective. And then using that pharmacology selectivity, then you can get to the effects of the role of each GABA-A receptor subtype on the EEG effect of drugs. And that's uh, also something that we want to do and we're actually starting to do now in the laboratory as well. Excellent. Uh, great answer, Lace. Jerry has asked, what are the ages of your non-human primates and how does this relate to a similar usage for humans with regards to age? That's a great question. So our, the non-human primates in this study are around 10 years old, and that would be an adult, uh, they're all males, and that would be an adult like between 50 and 60 years old, I believe. So that's around the age that we have for our monkeys. Between seven and 
17 years old, you would consider them adults. And then after 7, 18 to 20, they start becoming geriatric monkeys already. Excellent. Barack has asked, how do you see this biomarker approach improving drug development? Thank you, Barack Gunter. That's a great question. I particularly have tried working with uh, all of these behavioral models here in the lab and specifically for the one with the anxiety reducing effect or conflict model. It's really hard to establish, maintain uh, the, the baseline will actually fall very quickly. So I believe with the EEG approach specifically for anxiety reducing effects, it's a much quicker approach once the model is established to test whether a drug, a new drug, would have anxiety-reducing effect based on the beta band increases. Uh, that's the effect that we'd be looking at. Also, in terms of drug, the benzodiazepine drug development for as a sleep aid, because uh, we still don't have very many good sleep aids in the market, and we need to look into that better. Now we're able to look at not only whether a drug has a sedative effect uh, or not, but we actually can look at sleep architecture and see what these drugs to do to our normal sleep architecture, which is the cycling of the different sleep phases throughout the night. And that would be something extremely important to look at if you're trying to propose a benzodiazepine as a sleep aid. So I do think that using EEG will improve and make it faster the timeline for drug development. Great answer. We have a question here from Rob Gould, who, if you've been following us our webinars for a while, actually presented in a webinar in 2018. And so thanks, Rob, for the question. He's said, great talk, Lace. A really great validation of the translational utility of EEG. You mentioned the ability to seeing sleep spindles. Can you quantify spindle activity? Thank you, Rob, for this question. And if, if he was here in 2018, you need to bring him back because I know his research is really awesome as well. We do. So it's very easy to see them on our recordings. And there is a way to quantify spindle activity. You have to use MATLAB. And then there is a specific algorithm that you can actually download online that will automatically quantify spindle activity in your EEG recording, including if you're using the DSI model, or the, the extracts from the Panema software, you can use MATLAB to quantify spindle activity as well. Another way is to just do it manually, but if for like one hour recordings, that's fine. But if you're looking at full night, 12 hour recordings, that would be a little harder. So I'd highly encourage to look into the MATLAB alternative. Perfect. Thanks, Slace. A question here from Adelie, who's asked, thanks for the great talk and the nice data. I guess you're planning to look at EEG signature during self-administration. What kind of EEG signature might you expect reflecting drug abuse liability for benzodiazepines? That's a really, thank you for this question. It's really interesting and very important question. I actually don't exactly know the answer to that. I kind of, I think it would be kind of a surprise, but I would not be surprised if we saw at least either be right before the injections or during the injections, an also an increase in central beta band activity, just because there is, people do believe that the anxiety reducing effects play a very important role in the reinforcing effects of benzodiazepines. So if I had to guess, I would say that at least you would see beta band activity increases with reinforcing doses of benzodiazepines. Excellent. New question here from Kurt, who's asked, what is the path of the, this research in the future? Uh, and will you use uh, EEGs in non-human primates to evaluate pharmacology of different biobenzodiazepines? So this is a bit similar from a question bef uh, from before. but Yes, that's a great question. There's so many ways that we can go with this. But yes, right now we are looking at different benzodiazepine 
new benzodiazepine type drugs, uh, particularly selective benzodiazepine type drugs that may still have an anxiety reducing effect without having an abuse related effect, although that seems like it'd be a difficult task to get to, specifically because we don't yet have selective alpha-2 GABA-A receptor modulators. It seems like it's a challenge in terms of chemistry, but maybe one day we'll get there. So that is one thing to do. I think another important thing to do is look at chronic effects because uh, we have an interest in the lab at looking at development of tolerance and dependence with chronic benzodiazepine treatments and what these the chronic treatments do to EEG signatures and how that can predict uh, behavior effects as well. So that's another way that we, we were planning on going with that. And finally, specifically for using EEG, we're also, our laboratory focuses on studying the abuse liability of drugs. So we're also looking at the effects of other drugs of abuse using EEG during the daytime and also the effects of these drugs on sleep-wake cycles, which is another way they were going with this uh, research line. Excellent. Yeah, very exciting to look in the future there. Uh, another question from Bernard, who's asked, does the acute effect of benzodiazepines at the EEG level differ from that of the chronic effects? So yeah, that's something else that, that I just mentioned that we want to do moving forward. I do believe that we, you will differ, especially because of development of tolerance to these drugs. So while we see we've never done chronic benzo treatments with EEG, associated with EEG, but we have done these treatments associated with behavior observations. We actually published a paper last year, uh, James did, not me. But looking at what we see with the, key, the, with the uh, chronic treatments is that tolerance does develop at a relatively fast rate to the sedative motor effects. So I would believe that higher doses that initially induce Delta band increase in occipital regions uh, with the chronic treatment, you would see that delta effect disappearing. And instead, you would see the, that the higher dose, the high dose now, because it's a chronic treatment, would now start increasing beta band activity, which would be in line with the chronic treatments of, with benzos in humans that initially may have some sedative effects, but then you start seeing the anxiety reducing effects creeping up with chronic treatment. And we believe that's what we would see, especially with higher doses of a benzo. Excellent. Uh, thanks, Lais. Another question about the future here, this time from Marcio Furtado, who also presented on a DSI webinar with us about EEG. Marcio has asked, do you plan to study the effects of benzodiazepines on cognition and memory and its EEG correlates? Thank you for this question. That's a great question. I, I would guess for the future, yes. For the near future, no. But we do have the capability of doing cognitive testing in the lab, particularly CANTAB. I think that is something that we need to look at, especially for looking, as someone else mentioned, at drug development for treating anxiety disorders or sleep disorders. I think we would need to look at the effects of benzos and how they correlate with EEG specifically so we can identify the EEG markers of benzo-induced changes in cognition and memory. And it would be very interesting to look, for example, at GABA-A, uh, selective GABA-A receptor modulators in that context, specifically for looking at alpha-5 GABA-A selected drugs, because that seems to be the, the subtype primarily related to memory deficits. So definitely that's something that we should look into in the future. Excellent. Uh, great answer there. New next question here from Alexandra, who's asked, do you plan on doing gender dimorphic rhesus studies to determine if females are predisposed to abuse or if this is driven um, more purely just by the increase in the prescriptions by the clinicians? Yeah, so we actually have been looking at the effects of benzodiazepines primarily in the 
our drug abuse model in, in females versus males. Generally, one thing that I can tell you is that females in our lab will need higher doses in order to self-administer a benzo. So generally you need higher doses for them to experience the reinforcing effect or maintain behavior. What we have looked at in the past is gender differences in their response to combinations of benzodiazepines and neurosteroids as well, just because uh, of endogenous neurosteroids in females that may be modulating the effects of benzos. And we have seen some differences there too. I'm primarily showing that combination of neurosteroids with benzos increases the reinforcing effect in females, but not in males. So there seems to be like some hormonal influence on these effects too. So I think there is, there is that aspect of prescription by the clinicians just because women are more likely to go see a doctor. But I think there is a biological factor in there too. Excellent. Thanks, Lise. A uh, question here from Corey, who's asked, has the EEG drug test produced any false positives or negatives? Not until now. We do uh, repeat the baseline recordings and vehicle recordings. And I don't know if I was clear on that on my slide, but vehicles never induce, even like an injection right before the, the recording doesn't really change EEG uh, activity. And what we do need to look at is whether a benzodiazepine type drug that we does not have, for example, anti-conflict effects, if you would have the same beta activity increasing effects, because then that would be like a positive in terms. But that is something that we need to look at. But up until now, we haven't seen anything that would indicate a false positive or negative. Excellent. And I think in the interest of time, we'll just have one last question here. Marilise has asked, how long do you believe that the changes in the delta and beta waves for benzodiazepine induced for the benzodiazepine induction remain altered? If, if you're thinking about how long after the injection, so we actually uh, did the administration and then we looked at 30 minute intervals uh, for two hours. And during the first two 30 minute intervals, so the first hour, you still see those increases in beta and increases in delta. But already on the second hour after the treatment, you those effects start to dissipate. So in terms of acute effects, it's actually pretty rapid. We haven't pushed the dose like too high, maybe with higher doses, you would see a longer, longer lasting effect. And that's why with when we do think about chronic studies, it won't be just a once a day injection or drug administration. Usually you have several time points of administration throughout the day. So you can make sure that the drug is on board throughout the day. That's a good question. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.